You're listening to the Grace Through Faith weekly podcast. For more information, go to mygtf.org. We hope you enjoy. But happy Mother's Day um, to all of you moms. Would you not agree if you're a mother that motherhood is like the scariest hood you've ever been through? I mean, I've been through some scary hoods in my life, but motherhood by far has been the scariest. It has also been the most wonderful. I think as moms, we get really good at learning how to die every day to our kids, to our husbands, to our families, to minister to them and to meet their needs. And sometimes that job is incredibly thankless. Most days I go um, and get McCoy off the van um, from school. They bring him home to us. And literally, I come out there and the attendants will be like, McCoy, it's your mom. And literally, when I walk up there, he'll go, where's daddy? (laughs) And it's like, what the heck? Am I chopped liver? So sometimes being a mom can be a really thankless job. Um, But I just hear the heart of the Father this morning speaking over us. Thank you. Thank you for what you do. Thank you for the seeds that you day in and day out plant in your children and that you plant in your family. And not everybody may see that work, but the Lord would say to you today that he sees it. And today, he just speaks over you blessing and favor. Well, let's get into today's message. I know that you guys have been hearing a lot from Pastor Jory um, about the transition that we're going through, that the church is going through. Um, But today, I kind of wanted to give you a peek in to my perspective and, and what I've been wrestling with and walking through with this transition You know, we've been here in Dumas um, 16 going on 17 years, and 17 years ago, whenever the Lord opened up this opportunity for us to go into ministry, Jory had just graduated from ministry school, and he was working at Terminex Pest Control, and yeah, um, he was killing bugs for a living. And we were just praying earnestly that the Lord would open up the perfect opportunity for us, the perfect opportunity for him, for our family. And I I can't remember exactly how long we prayed for that, but it was quite a while before the Lord opened up the opportunity. In fact, we had been waiting such a long time that Jory was actually thinking about going back to school and getting a teaching certificate and just going and being a teacher. And right when we were like on the cusp of fixing to make that decision, this opportunity came about. And it took an incredible leap of faith to move from Amarillo here, to leave our family and our support system But we knew that God was calling us here. And so in blind faith, we came. I'd made this deal with the Lord that I'd come to Dumas for two years. And we would do this ministry thing. And then we'd go back to Amarillo and there'd be a new opportunity, you know, where all of our friends and our family and our support system was. And here we are 16 and a half years later. Um, I don't think God really cared about my time frame or my wishes. And I'm so glad that he didn't. 
I'm so glad that he didn't consider what I wanted because his plan's been bigger and it's been better than mine. But today, 16 and a half, almost 17 years later, we hear him calling again. And I'm just going to tell you, it's taken a lot more faith to leave here than it did to come here. And that's because Dumas has become a home for us. And this church. Has become home for us. You guys. Y'all are home for us. And so as we've been wrestling with this. As we have been trying to figure out what this looks like. It's been a little overwhelming. It's been a little stressful. I have like three million questions for the Lord. And I have a few answers. We know where we're going. We know that we're going to be in Amarillo. And we're super excited about that. Our kids are there. And so we're going to be over there all the time. Or they're going to be over with us all the time. I hope. Um, So we're super excited about that. But we really don't know what life beyond Dumas and GTF fully looks like. And that's a little unnerving. You see, I am a planner and I love to have all of the details. And I want to know what it's going to look like and how it's going to work and where we're going to live and how work's going to look and how family's going to look. And really, all of that is really uncertain right now. So I wake up most days very overwhelmed with, God, I have all of these questions And I really want answers. And the only answer that I keep getting is just trust me. Just trust me. It's going to be better than you're expecting. It's going to be better than what you're praying for. It's going to be better than what you're imagining. And so I know if God has better for us, that GTF, God has better for you guys. And he is bringing in and working about all of the circumstances for our family, but for the next family that's going to come in. And so I know that I'm not the only one in this boat of having a life experience that's overwhelming. I know that all of us at different times have had moments in our lives where life has just been overwhelming, where you feel like the circumstances of this world just keep getting heavier and heavier, and they just keep compiling and compiling, and all of a sudden you feel like you're literally being buried alive. Has anybody else been there? Yeah? Maybe a few of us? I kind of think it's all of us. And so I want us to dive into God's Word today, and let's try to get a nugget today that's going to encourage our souls so that we can keep moving forward. If you'll turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And while you're turning there, while you're getting your app open and you're turning there, I just want to pray for our time in the Word before we get started. Father God, I just thank you that your Word is alive. And so today, we look to you, the Word of God, and we ask for a nugget that would come alive in our lives for us. 
God, we ask that as we go through your word this morning, as we go through this message this morning, that God, I pray for each and every person under the sound of my voice, that they would extract exactly what they're needing this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So 2 Corinthians chapter 4 We're going to start in verse 7. This is actually a letter that Paul wrote to the church in Corinth. And it says, we have this treasure. The treasure that he's talking about is the light of Christ in our life. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show us that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted but not forsaken, struck down but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may be also manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal bodies. So death is at work in us, but life in you. So we do not lose heart Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light and momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Have you ever felt like that you, like I said a minute ago, that the circumstances and the pressure and the weight of life is literally burying you. I love this scripture because it gives me hope. But something that the scripture also kind of makes me realize is that the devil wants you to die. That's kind of heavy. It doesn't really feel good. You know, whenever our kids were little, we would help them shop for Christmas gifts and they would get to save their money and buy gifts. And they would be so excited because they had bought each other gifts and they had bought Jory and I gifts. And and so, you know, at Christmas time, anticipation just grows and grows. And so they would tell us like, oh my gosh, I got you a Christmas present. I'm so excited. You're gonna die whenever you see it. And so that was kind of this theme in our house. And so one year, McCoy had bought Jory a gift and it was Christmas morning and it's always really hard. We typically buy the gifts, don't tell McCoy this, but we buy the gifts and we don't tell him what he bought because he doesn't do a great job of keeping secrets. (laughs) And so we get, you know, help him with the girls and we get the girls a gift from him that we know the girls will like. And I help McCoy with Jory's and Jory helps McCoy with mine. And so I had told McCoy that morning the gift that he had gotten his dad. And I was like, okay, but you can't tell him. It's a secret. And so we're all in our living room, you know, Christmas morning really early. And he sits next to Jory. And he, I mean, McCoy's like a space invader. He just literally wants to be in your lap. And so he is like so close to Jory. And he looks over at him. And I, he had this excitement but it came out real sinister. And he looks at Jory and he goes, you're gonna die. (laughs) And it was just like, 
Ah, oh, that's terrible. We, we need to quit saying that. Um, praise God, Jory did not die, and at this point hasn't. Um, and I say that, I give you that story just to lighten that statement. But the devil really does. He wants you to die. Life is hard. It really is. Adulting is, it's rough. It's hard. I don't know why all of these kids want to hurry and get there because it's not all cracked up to be what, what you think it's going to be. I mean, it is wonderful and there are some wonderful things about it, but there's also hard things like mortgages and car payments and health insurance and and all of those not, tires. Dory and I just had to buy two sets of tires for his car and mine and yeah, adulting was not fun that day, but life's hard. And I think we all have a hard, and everybody's hard looks a little bit different. Not everybody's hard is the same. But I love this letter that Paul wrote to the church in Corinth because he is talking about the reality of the hard that you and I live in every single day. But he is also prophesying and speaking a better word. And he is proclaiming kingdom truths to the church in Corinth. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. We are perplexed and overwhelmed, but not driven to despair. We are persecuted, but not forsaken. We're not forgotten. We're struck down but not destroyed. You know, the Bible tells us in John 10, 10, that the enemy only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. His plan for your life is to destroy it. His plan for your family is to destroy it. And he will not stop. That's why we have to every day put on the armor and stand against the plan of the enemy so that he doesn't win. And the Bible already tells us that he doesn't. He's already been defeated. The only way the enemy wins is if we let him. The enemy loves nothing more than to, to look into the circumstances of your life and to prophesy destruction and death and doom. He tries really hard and at times is successful to cause us to have this fatalistic mentality that things are never going to get better. You're always going to have financial problems. Your wayward kid is never coming home. Your marriage is going to be destroyed. It will end in divorce. Your family is broken. You're too broken and you've made too many mistakes for the love of God. You're not worthy. He loves to prophesy all of these things over your life. But church, I want to tell you something this morning. If you hear nothing else this morning, listen to me right now. There are better days coming. You may be overwhelmed with life circumstances right now. You may have three million questions and two answers, but there are better days coming for you. There are better days coming for your family. You will live and not die. There is an abundant life that God has for you and has for your family. He has good things. He has a plan for a future and a hope for you. 
You haven't done too much. The grace of God is not for everyone. It's, for, or it's not just for one or two. It's for all of us. God loves you. God is for you. You are enough. You may have had your worst day yesterday. You may have been in the club last night. And today, God speaks over you that he loves you, that you are enough, and that his grace is sufficient for you. Let me tell you about something that I love to do this time every year. I love to, to go buy flowers and plant them. I'm sure many of you do as well. I love to go to the nursery or the greenhouse and get my most favorite plants. I'm not the, I kind of have like half a green thumb or maybe one, one green thumb, one black thumb. Um, and I'm not the kind of plant person that likes to you know, take seeds out of the envelope and plant them in dirt. I need like instant gratification. I want to see life, you know? Um, and so I buy my most favorite plants and I bring them home and I take such great pleasure and I enjoy planting them in my pots, you know, taking them out of the pots that they come from the nursery and putting them in my decorative pots and making my patio in the back pretty and have color. And I love to go out there and water my flowers. And I speak to them. I talk to them. Um, I had a friend one time, I asked her, like, why are your flowers always so pretty and big? And she was like, I talk to them. I, I tell them to grow and that I love them. And, um, and so I do that. I go out there. I talk to my flowers. I talk to myself and, you know, hope that none of my family comes out there, you know, hearing me go, geraniums, you're so pretty. You're so pretty. I love you so much. Keep growing. Come on. But I water them and I, I, I just give them attention until about end of July and August. And then it's just hot. It's like real hot. And you know, in May and June, it, it doesn't get that hot. And so sometimes you can go like every other day watering them. Not in August. It's too hot. The wind blows. You know, it dries those plants out. It's almost like every day. It sucks. Every day. You have to get out there. You have to unring that hose. I don't speak words of life over them in August. In August, I'm telling them goodbye. In August, I tell them that I love them. You were good to me. You were good to our family. We had many great nights out here, you know, at the patio eating dinner. But it's time now. It's time for you to go on. It's time for you to die. I'm going to say that I'm going to clean out all of your dead parts, you know, before winter. But I'm not. I'm going to leave them all winter long. And then I'm going to hate myself come spring when I have to dig up dead plants out of you. And then we're going to do it all over again. And I will love you again. You know, many of the things that we do with our plants, I mean, obviously we water them, they get sunlight. But you know, whenever we bring them home from the nursery and we take them out of the pots, you know, the, the roots are kind of all grown in a circle. It's kind of like this root ball. 
And so you take them out and you begin to break those roots up before you, you know, plant them in a pot and bury those roots with, <clears throat> with dirt. And really the reason that we break up those roots is because breaking up those roots stimulates root growth. So that when you put them in new soil, those roots don't just grow in a circle, but they begin to grow down so that it strengthens the plants. You know, we have West Texas wind around here. And so the wind, or the wind, or however I've just tried to say that, um, serves as, it has a purpose as well. And it blows against those plants. And the wind that comes against those plants, those trees, it also stimulates root growth so that those roots will go deep and grow and, and allow the plant to strengthen and become strong. The wind also serves as a cleaner. It cleans off the leaves of trees and plants so that the leaves aren't dirty, so that insects aren't drawn to those leaves and devour them. But let's think about the plant for a minute. You see, I've been talking about being the planter, but what about the plant? What about those sweet little plants that I get from the greenhouse and I bring home and I'm out there watering them, and I'm sure the plant is like, <laughs> like, I'm drowning, you're pouring so much water on me. And what about whenever I take those plants out and I'm breaking up those roots? God, I'm sure that is so incredibly painful for that little plant. And I'm sure that it's so discomforting that the plant's like, what are you doing to me? Why are you breaking up things in my body? Even the wind that comes against those plants or even the scorching, those August summer afternoons of, oh my gosh, I can't wait for the sun to go down so there's some shade. Or the wind that literally you almost feel like it's, that plant probably feels like it's fixing to blow the petals off of the flowers. You know, if we don't have the right perspective, if that plant doesn't have the right perspective, it won't realize that all of the things that the planter is doing for it is for its good and not its harm. You see, perspective is everything. And if we don't have the right perspective, we will think that we're actually being buried when actually we're being planted. So GTF, I have a question for you. Are you going to be buried by the enemy? Or are you going to be planted by the Lord? Because you know the devil wants you to die. But so does Jesus. And if you look in John chapter 12... Jesus is talking about his death. And in verse 24, this is what he says. He says, let me make this clear. A single grain of wheat will never be more than a single grain of wheat unless it drops into the ground and dies because then it sprouts and produces a great harvest of wheat all because one grain died. The person who loves his life and pampers himself will miss true life. But the one who detaches his life from this world 
and abandons himself to me will find true life and enjoy it forever. If you want to be my disciple, follow me, and you will go where I am going. And if you truly follow me as my disciple, the Father will shower you with his favor. This was right before the Last Supper when Jesus is talking about his disciples. It's right before they went to the Passover feast. And he has this moment with his disciples where he's talking about, really, he's giving them a picture of what is fixing to happen to him. He's talking about, he's referencing this grain of wheat, but he's talking about his own life and that he is fixing to give his life up for mankind. He's inferring that he's going to the cross, that he's fixing to be beaten. He is fixing to endure the most excruciating suffering that I don't think anybody on, in this world can imagine. He's fixing to be mocked and ridiculed by the church, by those that were believers, by those that were looking for the Messiah and hoping in his coming. He's fixing to talk about laying down his life. Jesus is fixing to give up his life so that we can have life. Because Jesus is fixing to die, and when he died, there was this opportunity that was opened up for mankind that allowed us to live, that allows us to have eternal life, that allows us to have that river, that, those rivers of living water inside of us. You see, Jesus wants us to die to our flesh just as he did. And you know, church, many times I think that we think that that is a salvation moment, and it is. When we die at, for salvation, we get eternal life. But it goes even deeper than that. Jesus wants us to die daily to our flesh and to live for him. And whenever we die daily to our flesh, it allows others to be able to see something inside of us that draws them in, that gives them hope. Just like Paul was talking in his letter to the, to the, to the Corinthian church in 2 Corinthians, I want to read this to us again in, chapter, in verse 11. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our mortal bodies. So death is at work in us, but life in you. Jesus' death produced life for us. Just like Paul writing this letter to the Corinthian church about the persecution and the struggle that he was going through and then ultimately lost his life was actually a benefit to that church and a benefit to us today whenever we read the story in the Bible. You see, it's almost like there's this reciprocity that's happening. Jesus did something for us that gave us something. He gave up something so that we could receive something. Paul, the apostle, talked about his struggle and the work of the ministry 
and how he overcame time and time again, which then produced something in the church. There's this giving and this taking. So GTF, I have a question for us today. What is the fruit it, what is the fruitfulness of our death? And I really want this to be a personal thing. What is the fruitfulness of your death? What's the fruit, fruitfulness? I'm having a hard time with that word. Fruitfulness of my death. Because if God is asking me to die to something, there is going to be reciprocity for somebody else that they get something from that. So what is the fruitfulness of your death? Who is benefiting from you dying daily to your flesh? Our perspective matters. Your perspective matters. When we go through difficult seasons of life, which we all will, which we all have, and we will again, if we don't have the right perspective and we are listening to the voice of the enemy who is prophesying death and destruction, we will approach those circumstances as if we're dying and as if we've been buried. But there's a switch that we can flip to say, I'm not going to die. This isn't going to kill me. This isn't the end of my story, but actually I'm being planted of the Lord right now and there's going to be fruit that happens. There's going to be growth that comes. And yes, it's for me. It's for my faith, but it's also for those around me. It's for my family and my workplace. It's for this church. It's for my community. And so worship team, if you'll go ahead and come on up. And we're going to take communion together. So if you need some communion elements, if you haven't gotten any, we've got ushers that are coming around. Just raise your hand. They'll get some to you. You know, church, today, I think we have an opportunity to make a shift in our perspective. We have an opportunity to shift our eyes off of maybe a, a difficult circumstance or a difficult issue that's in your life. To not look at it from a negative perspective, but from a positive one, one with hope. And you know, I know I joked a little bit today about gardening and by all means, I was not trying to teach anybody anything because I'm not a master gardener. But this morning as I was just putting the final touches on this, 
I heard the Father speak, it's okay, I am. He's a master gardener. And all he wants from you is the seed of your life. He wants to plant it. He wants to plant it so that it blooms. I love getting flowers, especially roses. And you know, the first thing that I do whenever I get them or whenever I see a rose, what do you do when you see them? You go over and you smell them. And they have the most beautiful fragrance. And you know, whenever we allow the Lord to plant us and we begin to bloom, there is the most beautiful fragrance that comes out of your life. It's the sweetest offering that we can offer the King of Kings. Not only that, but the struggling of being planted, the struggling of all the things that the master gardener does to ensure growth and strength in your root system. The breaking up of your roots, the water at times that feels like you're drowning, the sunshine and the wind that blows across our lives, the storms of life that blow. You see, God is a master gardener, and so he knows the exact amount of water. He knows the exact amount of wind and the elements of our life that are gonna produce the greatest growth. And whenever we allow the Lord to do that, the fragrance of our life becomes hope for somebody else. The fragrance of our story becomes hope for somebody else. Whenever I share what God has done in my marriage and how he has restored mine and Jory's story and redeemed it, when I share that with someone who's struggling in their marriage, it gives them hope that there are better days coming. It gives them hope to believe. Whenever we tell them about the miracles that God has done in our home and in McCoy's life, it gives them hope to believe for their own miracle. Church, you have the fragrance of heaven inside of you. And it's time to allow the Lord to plant us in a greater way. Because our community and our families and our workplaces need the fragrance of heaven to blow through. They need the hope of Jesus to blow through their lives and to strengthen them. And so if you would this morning, just go ahead and stand to your feet. If you'll bow your heads, close your eyes. just want to pray for us this morning. As we take the broken elements of Jesus' body, we're just reminded today that because he gave everything for us, we get to have life anew, afresh. And so with every head bowed and every eye closed, as I've been speaking today, if you find yourself in this place and you've never made the Lord, the Lord of your life, and you feel the nudging of the Spirit drawing you in, 
gonna ask you, nobody's looking around. This is a moment between you and the Lord. And if that's you today, today is the day for salvation for you. I would just ask for you to raise your hand to say, you know what, April, that's me today. I need to give my life to the Lord and I need to come in, Him to come into my life. today. If you need a perspective shift, I want to pray for you this morning. God, I ask for every single one of us in this room and those that are tuning in online today, that God, the circumstances of their lives today, wherever they may be, God, I pray that you would begin to blow through their lives, God. That, Lord, the fragrance of heaven would begin to blow. It would begin to sweep through every situation. God, that we would have a shift even right now. That we would believe for better things and for better days. Lord, I thank you the planting that you're doing in each and every one of us. God, I thank you that we've not been buried, that we are not going to be consumed, that we are not going to be overtaken, but that God, you have new life for us. And so Lord, we just offer ourselves up to you this morning and ask that you would do a new work, that you would bring about new growth, that God, we would be an example and a witness that our story and our testimony as we share those with those around us, Lord, that they would be a fragrance of heaven, God, that would draw others to you. So Lord, we just thank you for your body today. We thank you for what it represents and what it has given us. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.